Hey everybody, time for another Code Pen Radio. How's this for a hot button word that's this is gonna be the absolute canonical podcast of Mono Repo. We're gonna talk all about mono repos. Uh Alex and I. Hey Alex. Hey. Hey. Uh this is a this is a big fancy word, mono repo. Aren't all repos just one repo? <laughs> That's that is I kind guess. of a meta thing, right? They they are all yeah. kind of technically a mono repo. They are indeed. The, the The concept of it means a lot of things, and we're going to talk about all those things. But it, it does only kind of factor in at a company with technology at a certain scale. Like, for example, I run a site called CSS Tricks. <laughs> it's a mono repo. It's just a WordPress site. <laughs> it has all the code in it that powers that site is right there, and that's all there is to it. So there's probably most sites on the internet are like that. When the word mono repo comes into play, it kind of means like, okay, this site has grown up. There are like a bunch of things that power it. The technology of it has sprawled a bit. Uh, and when that's the case, it can certainly become a thing where, you know, different services, let's say we call them, uh, have sprawled themselves out into literally different Git repositories. And a mono repo might be the, like, we're going to still have those different services, but we're not going to make them different repos. I guess that, does that feel like a yeah, characterization? Yeah, I, I would characterize it, uh, a true mono repo, as all the code for a organization, um, in one version control for, for not just saying Git, because that's kind of the de facto um, version control these days. But like I, I characterize it as everything for your company, your organization, and one repo, which is, depending on what size you are, that sounds really scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let's talk about in the context of CodePen, because that's what we know. Um, but it is probably not terribly different than lots of like startups and lots of other, you know, companies that run web, web software. It's, it tends to not just be one thing anymore. You know, you might have your web servers over here and your microservices over here that do specific tasks, whatever. That's not that rare. I don't think we're, I don't think CodePen is that weird, really. We're pretty, we're pretty normal. So if we just describe it, there certainly is Ruby on Rails. We're still running that, right? Yep. Uh, we're a thing running we run. tons of Ruby on Rails still. Tons of Ruby on Rails. And then, you know, let me count on my fingers. Wait, I definitely don't have enough fingers for <laughs> other stuff. Right. There's another bucket of other stuff that happens on CodePen that is not Rails. It just does other stuff. And I think in the evolution of CodePen, every time we, there's another finger <laughs> comes up, we in the past were like, we'll just make it a repo. And that felt, I think, f probably fine to us as we, as we were doing it. We're like, that's another thing. We'll just make another repo and do it. And then at some point, you know, maybe years ago at this point, we'd be like, that's not fine anymore. Yeah, I think it was about... <laughs> two years ago where we started thinking about even doing that. And I, I feel like with the rise of cloud software, it almost encourages you to create all these little small services, you know, the way you deploy lambdas and all these additional services yeah. that you create, it just encourages you to, to go microservice, even though I wouldn't characterize us as a microservice shop. Um, it, we do have these tiny little services. It's just, it's come 
because of some necessity that we've had some small thing. And next thing you know, you're this microservice shop that didn't even realize that was the intention of your design for your system. But it just kind of happens naturally sometimes. Lambdas is a good example of it because it's like, if it's its own repo, then when it comes time to deploy it, you just like deploy all of it. Right. Like here it is. Go deploy yourself. So we knew that was a problem. Maybe years ago, I don't know if we called it a problem, but maybe, or we saw some advantages into bringing things together. So before we had a mono repo, I think you called it a duo repo. Uh, uh, it, it, was it was a repo in stereo. <laughs> repo, repo in stereo. Hilarious. Because we, it took us a bunch of time and effort just to get down to two. And the two were basically, I think, the Rails stuff and anything that's in Node. And then maybe there was a few spokes after that, but but basically there was a lot of effort put into getting that node one together because I think the the advantages seemed I don't know easier to reach for by pulling that stuff together first. Yeah, a, a big part of it for us was we had a lot of node services that felt like they were getting left behind, like they weren't being touched, they weren't being updated, linted. We weren't taking advantage of like upgrades to node itself we would forget that a this little lambda exists uh, for example we had some prettifier and running in a lambda and i think it hadn't been updated in like well over a year no one had touched it but we had updated another similar prettifier so we had we're a tiny company and we had somehow created two lambdas that did almost exactly the same thing one was prettifying for pens one was prettifying for projects and we're like wow this is oddly similar and one got updated one didn't why wouldn't why don't we have both of them in the same repo um and so that seeing that over and over again kind of encouraged us to look into this weird concept of a mono repo that's exactly right that feels <laughs> that was a true story you know, <laughs> yeah why would why would we do that and so you know i know that that node version thing is such a big deal, right? You like, you've made this thing and then it's just, it's abandoned in a way, not abandoned. Like, like we, if it was broken, we'd fix it. Right. It wasn't broke. It just hadn't gotten updates, meaning it's slower and theoretically less secure and all these things because it's just by itself. It's so easy to forget about a repo that's, that's off all by itself. Like I probably didn't even have it pulled. It probably wasn't even in my Git thing. I just, literally have forgotten about it right and that's been another thing is you know we have a lot of independence at codepen which is awesome but part of independence is not understanding what's happening and so we'd have some duplicated work or some personal repos that we created that does a task that's totally critical to codepen's existence yet not really shared with another person and that was really important to suss out and figure out and so that it created all mm -hmm. kinds of little problems for an organization like us and we're tiny we're just a small little you know seven person uh shop at this point yeah okay so we do it you know we get all this we do all this effort to get down to a repo in stereo which is an <laughs> awesome name for it but you know that meant that like before that, like what if there was a problem on the linter? Would you go open a ticket on the repo for that linter? Like that didn't seem right. We never did that because we were all like, that would be weird. If you had your GitHub issues and like eight repos, right? like we don't have the staff for that. That's no good. So we just kind of like picked one of the repos and be like, all bugs go in that one. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Which is just like this random choice you make. Uh, and then when it got down to two repos, we still were doing that. 
it to, to, to me, it was still just like, well, I know there's two repos still and there's still, you know, but like, why would we just arbitrarily split issues across the two repos? Like that feels weird. So again, we just picked one of them and put the, all the issues and stuff there. That's why it's one of those things that to me feels big. It probably, I think we all have different things that we really latch on to that were, that feel beneficial to us with the mono repo. By the way, where we're going with this is that we like mono repos. Sorry <laughs> Spoiler if that's alert. opinionated. But we're, we might mention why you might not like them, but still we like that to me that was big it means that when you went to github and you go to our repo all the activity is there the issues the pull requests the requests for for pull request reviews and just like all github activity is in one spot and when it wasn't it was just obnoxious to me right switching around yeah not not knowing you know having prs to be reviewed in different repos just that context switch of just having to go over here and not noticing you know, having to switch to, you know, across two different, two or three different repos, switch branches. Like sometimes if you're creating a feature that depends on another repo, well, now you got to make sure that you name the branches the same across all two to three repos, however many repos you're dealing with, and then making sure that you're switching between all three. That was, that would, that would be frustrating. And so that coordination for a shop like us is it's it's it felt yeah. felt very frustrating so i then there's this idea of shared resources that was one of the things that got us going in node and combining them together is cuz you're like these should all be using the same linter these should all be using the same auth these should all be using the same xyz so we get that all done and then I think what finally, like, at least seems to me, shoved us into the, like, we got to get this down to one repo, mono repo, is when you need to start sharing resources across that node, not node line for us was the, like, or I guess it's all still node, but we have some new projects that we're working on, and we want to use the same, like, design pattern library for all of them, not like, oh, this is a new project. It'll have its own design library. No, 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 no. One of the things that why people talk about mono repos is exactly that. I have a pattern library and I want to use it over here and over here and over here and over here. How do you do that? How do you like these projects are, they have their own world they live in, but I want to share not just some node utility, but literally like componentry, you know, visual stuff in order to do that at all. We had to do it. We just had to pull the trigger on the the mono repo thing. So that was, I mean, you've been the one doing all this work, but at some point we had to take our two, our node stuff and our rail stuff and just smash them together. And that last mile was not easy. <laughs> yeah. That, that's, that's the, uh, one of the, the bigger things I think that kept us from doing that is this doesn't just change. If it, if all it did was change where you commit your code, that'd be amazing. But it's the fact that the support monorepos are still so uncommon that support for them, like really good support for them is still very um, nascent. It's still very new. You can tell that everyone who uses a monorepo tends to be these kind of big orgs and they tend to build their own tools. Like Google builds their own tools. Facebook builds their own tools for things to deal with all the stuff. I know Twitter has 
a build tool. Um, a lot of it ends up being related to your build and deployment process, however that is. And then, yeah, right. And so we use GitHub Actions for that, right? And it it's like it's kind of works, but it certainly doesn't feel like a first class citizen, right? It's GitHub it's definitely Actions. not a first class citizen in the sense of. Every CI tends to give you this thing where they'll say, oh, well, you can add a path to what the event that triggers this thing. But the problem is that means that the path is only going to be triggered on that specific commit. And so when we pull a branch and we make a change and commit to that branch and then you make another change somewhere else, well, you don't want to compare against the previous commit. You actually want to compare against your branch against the branch that you intend to merge into and test everything there, Yes, which for us tends to be the master branch because we try to merge the master often. Um, and that is a very frustrating experience and something that we had to kind of build our, we had to build out some custom tooling for that to determine, okay, well, just because I made this commit, what actually needs to get run and tested? And there's still some kludginess there. We made it work. But it's like Chris said, it's not a first class citizen. We're still kind of working through some of the kinks and quirks. And that so that's CI. That's like I need to run this set of tests and linters and whatever against that. And then there's deployment is sort of part of that too. At some point you gotta decide, okay, there's a whole bunch of stuff here that's sitting that's that's been merged into master. Great. I'm glad that it's on master, but it also needs to go to production somehow. There's code that needs to be written to literally take it live. And it's very different what taking some changes to the Rails code base means to getting it live than a Cloudflare worker, what it takes to get that code live, to what a random Lambda does to get that live, to some of your favorite Go code, get putting that where that needs to go. Those are all different stories. They all have different, and by story, I mean just like stuff that needs to run, like files that need to get moved and put into place and servers that need to be restarted or whatever. Those are all different. And you just can't, I mean, when I say you just can't, I, I think I mean you just can't. You can't just say, well, just deploy it all. Just, <laughs> just <laughs> pretend like everything is a piece of fresh code and just deploy everything. I mean, I guess you could, but I think that's kludgy in its own way. Yeah, it's, it's how you do it's things. slow everything down to a crawl. I mean, I, I think it'd be a good hour before we even build the entire app. And considering things are going out in different um, intervals and dependencies, you're just causing a lot of churn. So spending the bit of time that it takes to determine what change is well worth it. And it's not so complex that you, it's not doable. There's tons of ways to do comparisons amongst uh, Git commits and figure out what files changed and hence figuring out what services changed. So it's it's very doable. It just definitely takes an upfront investment in trying to get to it. Linode is great. They've been around forever. One of the first companies in cloud computing three years before even AWS was a thing. So they are their they are their their own beast in a way. I think this is a a, a pertinent way to describe it. If it runs on Linux, it runs on Linode. You know, you can do anything. These are like 
you know, cloud computers that you buy to do anything you want. For example, let's say you're like a gamer. They have all kinds of of one-click apps that are gaming-related, like you want to deploy your own Minecraft server or Counter-Strike or whatever. You just like click a button and on your and spin it up on your Linode server. So that that's kind of cool. But you know, it's probably mostly for web stuff. You know, it's also notable that Linode is like a step past entry-level hosting. I'd say. <laughs> so if you want to be like super in control of everything, you know, actually own every detail of your hosting, Linode is a step up, you know, to, to totally customizable cloud computing. It's VPN friendly, uh, all that stuff. Obviously, they have great, you know, human beings that are going to support you in what you're trying to do. They've got GPU hosting if what you're trying to do is machine learning based. Uh, uh, that kind of thing. So again, if it's if it's if it's cloud computing is what you need. If it runs on Linux, it runs on Linode. Go to the link in the show notes where you get a hundred bucks of free credit, which is pretty generous of them, I think. So try that out. Thanks for the support. Okay, so we've said that we like it. So let's do the advantages first. Like, what else do you, what do you like about mono repos? Or if if you know, or if you have a better handle on it, what does the world like about mono repos? Um, so I'll just I'll I'll scope it down to what I've liked so far. Like the really good things are that by being able to see the entire layout of all the um, services in your application and dependencies. Um, we first of all, from a from a logistics standpoint, when we are creating a feature and there's dependencies amongst more than one service, it's really easy to say, okay, check out this branch. This branch has all the changes to both services. And I don't have to communicate that to anyone. I just say, check out this one branch and then everything will just magically work. So if I change the backend API and the, you're writing front end code, I know that you can depend on that API being exactly what you are expecting for that specific branch. And that's amazing for just being able to get up and running and not having to ask questions. That's awesome. But then on the flip side, it's easy to see everything that's there and lint and audit everything and and, and make things synchronous in the sense of um, you can see if something's being used often, you could see how you could extract it into it's into a library that those two things can depend on. Mm. You know, like you have that example of the design library. It's kind of like the VS Code experience. It's like you're what do you have open in VS Code? Uh, all of it, right? I mean, I know you. What are you fancy pants people like to sometimes scope what you open <laughs> in VS Code? But I'm like. Give me it all. Right, right. I just open one folder and it's literally everything. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because that's what the repo is, is everything. Yeah. One, yeah. one of my uh, examples that I really like is that I have a JSON web token library that kind of wraps other libraries, but it does, it makes sure that we're using JSON web tokens securely, which was not a thing that we've always done. And so part of that JSON, that one json web token library is the implementation in it's the same implementation and set of unit tests for node go and ruby so it's the three languages we use at codepen and i need all my other services to use that one library and i can create the dependency on the same library the same location no matter what language it is it's really helpful 
to be able to see that and see that every single service I can search in my VS code, are they using it? Are they using the dependency on this one library? And that's really helpful. Being able to see things like that without having just like move things around logistically on your computer. All you're doing is checking out a specific branch for your source control. That's been deeply helpful. And we're just getting started with, with being able to do that. Yeah. I love that. Just in that, you know, get pull. Okay. I have absolutely everything that I need. Cause in the past, there's definitely has been like, they're like, why isn't this working for me? Like, did you pull CP infra? Right. There's an infra that, change. That was, that was a common as someone dealing with infrastructure that I absolutely love not having to tell someone, oh, wait a minute, I forgot that I committed to this other repo that you now have a dependency on. So like in that small moment, it seems small, but when you're, you know, that that little exchange can take 20 minutes by the time someone sees the message on Slack and then gets back to you and figures it out. It's like, that's 20 minutes of my day. Maybe for, for us, we're tiny. So like maybe three people ask that a week. That's an hour every week that I'm just dedicated to just remembering what it was that I pulled, having to keep that in your head is just yet another thing, you know? And so I love not having, not having that problem, especially when we had many repos, that was much more common. It really was. That was a pain in the butt. I hated that one. Yeah. 20 minutes is generous too. You know, you're just like losing developer time when somebody's like, well, I guess I just can't work then. Right. Yeah. And you're frustrating people with changes. Like that was another thing. Like I would be very hesitant to make a change to an infrastructure piece because I'd have to then go communicate to everyone. Hey, make sure you pull from this repo and this repo because the change is there. And so you end up not doing certain things just because you, it's going to be a frustrating process to make sure that everyone's in sync and everyone has pulled. Whereas now I make a change commit to the branch. It's not a big deal. I know who has it and doesn't have it. It's it's very much more logistically speaking for a team like us, it's easier to deal with. Yeah. And so, I mean, I guess we could talk about that a little bit. I know we're focusing on the good things, but we're of a certain size. And by we, I mean, literally human beings that work in this place <laughs> yes. and the code base is of a certain size too. And that this works for us, probably factoring those two things in pretty heavily, right? That's a huge, huge part of, of this. It's Part of it is um, we have buy-in from, buy from management, which is really good. Get that up front. Um, and second of all is the, the size of the company and the amount of code that you're dealing with is really important. So I took some uh, Git numbers and, and figured out how many files we have. We have... Uh, 6,500 files, um, slightly over. And the number of lines of code is 342,000. Now there's quite a bit of JS code in there that we don't write ourselves. Um, but, but that's not node modules though. Is no, it? no, no, that, no, no. It would be a billion. I think if you get to the node modules, that's it's just, that just happens to be a couple of like libraries that for whatever reason, we just copy into being a normal file. Right. You code weird. mirror and weird things that we yeah. used to deploy like before we did the webpack bundling and, and things like that. So yeah. not everything's, you know, lines of code we've written or managed, but we have to like kind of keep up with. Um, yeah. But that, I would say that's, it's not tiny either, but it's also not insurmountable as far as like one human being being able to understand 
what this application does. It might take you a good month before you figure out that this does this and we have all the services we have and stuff like that. But a, mm-hmm. a pretty competent developer over time could figure it out. It's reasonable to think. We're not Netflix scale, right? Like there are these apps that no one could ever fill their mind with because they're just too complex. We're not that. And so it's really important for us having a monorepo. You know, we're not Google size. We're not that kind of a organization. We're Yeah, you'd spend your life people. pulling code that you'll never touch. Right. Just every day. Pull, 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 pull. Yeah. So yeah. the 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 workarounds that we've had to make are pretty reasonable. Like we we got to keep our CI tool. We didn't have to um, Google has a very well-known CI tool called uh, Bazel, Basil, <laughs> and it uh, it's built for dealing with monorepo problems. We don't have to use that. We're happy using our GitHub Actions because of the size of where we are. We're happy, mm. really happy with GitHub Actions and just some some. You think GitHub doesn't use GitHub Actions? They have their own thing. <laughs> I don't. I would hope they they use GitHub Actions, but who knows? They, they they've been around longer than GitHub Actions. <laughs> yeah that's funny um yeah that so okay we covered that deployment stuff we covered you know you pull all the stuff you get it and then everything's shared together no you're not forgetting old code that ends but if you could see if you got bigger i mean i'm imagining this is one of those classic man hate mono repos mm-hmm. thing is you work at a company where there's 30 developers writing code constantly shipping code like we're there's never a day that code doesn't get put into code pen repo, but there's not like a thousand commits a day right. or something. And when you have real true CI CD, that means there's code going to production as well with those 30 developers, let's say, or I know, and 30 probably seems like a low number to a lot of people listening to this. There might be 300, 3000 in some cases, like crazy numbers, you know? Um, but let's say then your deploy process still takes like, let's say it's pretty fast. I mean, 15 minutes or something. I mean that, I don't know if that's fast. That might be slow to some people. It might be incredibly fast to some people. At some point you start multiplying those numbers to each other, 300 people times 15 minutes. And you're like, that's all the minutes in the day. Right. Yeah. So now there's like, now there's well, what happens to mission critical stuff. Now you have to write queue jumping software to like, make sure that that one goes ahead of this one. Cause there's 12 other commits stacked up to go out. Those are like actual problems that we don't have. Right. And, and I think one of the critical pieces there is like the culture of the organization, right? So if we're not happy with a certain lack of standardization, we can bring everyone in and be like, Hey, this isn't standardized. This is really odd. This is a frustrating part like that we're doing. Let's deal with this and like, let's standardize it or, or all that stuff. Whereas I think one of the really frustrating, scary parts of a monorepo, if you want to move to it and you've not been that before is it's going to highlight the warts in your organization. So it's like, Buyer beware, because one of the magical parts of a monorepo is it doesn't hide any of the things that you're doing. One of the ugly parts of one of the bad parts of a monorepo is it doesn't hide anything you're doing. And so that it's a double edged sword. So you have to know if you are ready to do that. Are you ready to deal with the ugliness of all the services that are going to come together and deal with people making code changes constantly, you know, which is we have pretty damn decent stream of code changes, but we're nowhere near like these big organizations. Right. Right. 
I, you know, and to me, it's like if we, if this, this is one of those almost like a good problem kind of thing. Like if we had 30 developers committing code all the time, I think both of us are like, that's scary. And it feels <laughs> like a very far away. And right. If that becomes the problem, that means that we've succeeded in so many other ways that I think we'll just deal yeah, with we'll, it. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll cross that road, that bridge when we get there. I'd say three of those 30 employees are dealing with this problem and not us <laughs> right. yeah we might have two dedicated devops people who knows we'd go crazy <laughs> you know not just one but two um yeah it, and weird. it seems reasonable you know just i think one of the important things to see is like where even our ideas started for this like part of my personal influence was reading this article called like why google stores billions of lines of code in a, in a single repo um and Knowing that Google had done it, granted with Google money and Google engineering and all that jazz, um, made me think, okay, well, if it works at that scale, yes, there's going to be some effort um, to doing it. But it, as an organization, it's possible. It's possible for you to scale to that level. Um, and I can see all the benefits and it's all the benefits seem really shiny. Can we do that? You know, and it. I have to say, like, we started on this path over two years ago. It, it took us being in these two repositories for a very long time to get to the point where we could finally do it. So it wasn't a flip of the switch where we were like, hey, let's just do a monorepo. And next thing you know, we're on a monorepo. It's kind of coming together for a while. Yeah, it, it, it takes little forcing functions to be like, OK, we have this other project now. I really want to use the library, uh, you know we're doing this, you know, somebody has to like have their care alarm go all the way off. Right. You know, right. And it's not just like, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. And you have to acknowledge that there's some developers screaming, like just publish the package to a repository, you know, to a package yeah. manager. You're like, yes, I, I get that. But there's things that change at such a high velocity and in such dramatic ways that you taking that step of having to constantly publish your packages it can be very frustrating, right? If you have, you publish one package and you have five different services that depend on it. Now I got to go to five different repos to update pull. it, to pull yeah. that and, and merge that and then manage that deployment and all those things. So either yeah. way, there's that a compromise. An alternative. When we talked about that, didn't we? We were like, maybe that's the right way to do it. Cause there's some kind of like industry standard feel to that. Like, yeah, it's a dependency. If you want to use it, you pull it. That's how it works. Yeah. And right? it's yeah. just the fact that the tools out of the box support it. There's nothing special you need to do. There's no special code. You yeah. just NPM install. You've pat, you know, you've pull, pulling your package from right. the cloud, wherever you've pushed it. And it's just magically there. So the, because the tools natively support multiple repos, it feels right when you're doing it. Whereas mono repos, there's, you know, some sharp edges to it. So sometimes it kind of feels wrong. You're like, maybe I'm doing this wrong because every tool is trying to get me to push my code to multiple repos. Yeah, it is. It is. And there's, you know, you were saying that this is, feels like, it doesn't feel like a new concept, although maybe it is, but, but the tooling isn't like a hundred percent there for it. We used to, we haven't even said the words like yarn workspaces yet or learn yet, but it turns out in our little journey of this so far, we need both of those things. Right. And so we're in on that journey too, because, you know, we're talking, you know, we, we've said the word Ruby on rails, that that's kind of irrelevant to that 
story a little bit, but the JavaScript ecosystem is is very much you know npm focused and and all that. And, and to me, it was like the reason why we're not publishing to packages is because I don't like that developer experience. I think that sucks. Yeah. I don't want to have to work on a library component and then in order for this project I'm using on to go npm install it and refresh, I'm interested in the DX of I hit command S in VS Code and my browser window is automatically reloaded with that new component there. That's DX. That's productivity. We're going to 10x slow down productivity if we can't do that or worse. Like that's just not how you, that's not how I want to work. So my care alarm was going way off on this stuff. Yeah, I think you're right. Cause you know, we did talk about publishing those packages and it, it seems because it has this officialness, like I put a, I put a version number on this thing. This means something. And we are changing things at a high enough velocity and we want to continue. We actually want to increase the velocity, not decrease it that because those are our goals not having to push that package up is huge for us. Huge. Not having to then go to the five other packages that depend on that is massive. Yeah. Now this isn't, we're just not that kind of company anyway. We're not this like, we're the design systems team and other random teams who we maybe never even met before are using our design system. And the way that we communicate is like Slack and GitHub issues and stuff. And they're like, no, no, we're the same team. We're right here next to you. We're working on the same crap. Like this is not some little product that's just in isolation and intended to be used by X other teams that we don't even know. Maybe that works out great for you then. But we're like, we're developing the design system and the products that use the design system right next to each other. Right. And there's multiple different things. There's this Rails app, but then there's new things. Like, what if we want to play around with a Next.js app, for example? (laughs) That's a different world. So, And they need to use the same thing. So that's what I mean by Lerna and all that is we have to be like, okay, Lerna, you know, this thing over here, this little folder, that's where we keep our design system. So you should know about it and you should know about it and you should know about it. And, you know, try not to download 18 copies of React. Yarn workspaces, please help with that. You know, there's all these little technical hurdles that you got to jump with. And it doesn't seem like you don't read as many blog posts about that. There's not people being like, this is the one true way to do a JavaScript monorepo. It's like, that you feel you're not on your own, but because these tools exist and clearly other people, you know, the art and the workspaces wouldn't exist if it didn't, but it's not as straightforward as you might want it to be. Right. There, there's always a little quirk. There's a little glitch. You know, we run learn a bootstrap, which is, does some sim linking. And it's very fancy and you got to make sure it works across different platforms. And there's just little, little quirks. I, I do have to say in compliment to the Node.js world. It's one of the better, like one of the better ecosystems for monorepos. Um, Go has a decent one. Ruby is not, it's uncommon because people tend to have a Ruby on Rails app and deal with that. Um, but it, Lerna, having t- tools like Lerna and Yarn Workspaces is actually incredibly helpful. And having that, it has like out of the box support for these types of uh, repo layouts. And so that that's actually been, even though there's been quirks, it's actually one of the better ones, ironically. Okay. So, you know, we can end 
shortly, but with, with some, you know, most, mostly good stuff for us, like definitely a big thumbs up, like would do again, you know, so far, even though we're not even maybe completely done, you know, there's always, there's always little edges. For example, it's not like we literally have only one repo. Like we have a blog and the blog's a WordPress site. Why would we put the WordPress site in that same repo? That's like not useful. I say bring it in. I, I mean, I haven't bring seen it, it yet. Let's just, let's every piece of code possible. Uh, should go in there. I mean, maybe we literally could, but I just don't. I don't like I'm not feeling the the importance <laughs> of it. There, there'd be some extra yeah. tricky things to work out. That's like why. Yeah. Um, uh, then, but what you know, there's p- certainly blog posts and such. A famous one being "Mono Repo, Please Don't" by Matt Klein that tries to to, to talk the world out of this. Like this is a, a bad problem from his experience at Lyft, I believe. Right? Do we? Can you, can you see his points? And do any of those points kind of apply to us too? That we wave off. Yeah, I I just in preparation for the podcast reread the article, um, and. You know, we've obviously read it before going to a monorepo. but you, you can't, you need to kind of look at the, the cons of it. But um, the two main points that I saw were that because you're in a monorepo, you can create these really tightly coupled dependencies among services. Um, so I could realize that you're doing something special in your package and just create a dependency on it, like literally just import it, even though maybe you didn't mean to export that function to the whole world. Um, And then you're not forced to sit down and define a strong interface the way you would if you, if the only interface to your system is via an external repo, and then you'd have to write a design doc and define that interface and, you know, have multiple teams agree on that. Um, And I think that's, absolutely something we we could do it's kind of a cautionary tale like okay cool like that's a really good point that i hadn't really considered um but for us the benefits still outweigh the the negatives then the second thing for uh that he noted was that version control really struggles with these really large repos um we don't have that much of a problem we're Mm. not that large and I think it helps to put it in a context of where this person's coming from. So Matt Klein, you know, creator of Envoy, amazing project, but he works at Lyft. And I was looking at the numbers. They have over 2,000 engineers, right? So that's a different beast from CodePen. The, or, or, you know, you're talking 100 engineers or fewer. Like um, somehow Google does it. They have 20,000, 30,000 engineers probably. But again, Google very special. What does it mean with Google though? Like if you're just sit down and you're at Google, do you have Gmail, the local Gmail on your thing right next to every single other Google product that's ever been created? It doesn't seem right. That's I mean, a good question. I haven't worked there. <laughs> I could say Gmail itself being a mono repo, but that doesn't mean you also have all the code to Google Drive or whatever. Yeah, I would like imagine that, that Google search is probably not on your computer if you're working on Gmail. I don't yeah. I don't know. That it's it seems bananas to me but maybe they do maybe that's just how they work maybe and you have the google search code and like 10 ndas that tell you never to share that code i don't know what what it would be like i'd love to know if you truly do if i go on the you know google cow team do i get search like that's my question search too (laughs) 
Not that I would I don't know. You know, disclose that, but I just find that interesting. Or maybe they abstract some of the most sensitive stuff into something you don't have access to or it's encrypted or something. I don't know. I don't know. But it doesn't seem also like is at some point, isn't the like the network churn of having every line of code that everything buddy works at at a company at that scale is like, does your computer do anything else other than push and pull code? It seems like the network <laughs> would just be cranking. That, like a, yeah. That, I mean, that's that's why they need all the PhDs. They got to download that that repo. So I, I yeah. honestly, I would be, I'd love to know the details of, of what that system works. Like I know that they've done all kinds of custom, like I said, uh, Bazel. Uh, Bazel, and I'm, yeah, I'm butchering I it. I know what you they mean. they they built all kinds of tools just to like lint and do static analysis and all this stuff. But from the article, it, that's what they say. You get a mono repo, and when you break an API, you're you're a Google engineer. You're providing some API to ten other services at Google. Yeah. If you break it, your build will find that you broke that API immediately. That's that's what I understand it to be. And so if you can, those are real, you know, cons to that problem. It's like, if you're, if you're of the size or you have so much code churn that you're constantly making changes, you, you, at that point you were like, well, maybe we should think twice, not move to this mono rebuilding just so people can like move really quickly. We actually might want them to move a little bit slower and force teams to talk about things. That's interesting though. So maybe before you even commit your local machine has caught that you've broken an API. So you don't even have to suffer the embarrassment of, of committing it and having the CI tell you that you broke it. Right. Yeah. Which for them would save them tons, tons of time because Hey, at least this computer is catching the, the problem before they're even running it. You know, like yeah. that's what Bazel is kind of doing is managing all the dependencies. Like I'm a library creator, but 10 other services rely on my library let me make sure I don't break those other 10 services. So you can see the the benefit in doing that. It just is kind of a hard problem to solve. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So noise is another way to think about that too, right? That 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 if you if you're in this mono repo and you have these thousands of engineers or whatever, like if it's somehow your job to like be watching the code that comes in and out of that code Oof. base you're the CTO or something, you're just not going to, you know, but if you're like, but why can't I, we just like work in littler repos. And then, you know, you could see almost like losing employees to that. Be like, <laughs> that was just a highway. And I want to work on a gravel road. Over here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You could see getting run over by that system where it's just, there's a lot of churn and things like that. But again, it highlights the, your organization. If your organization has quirks, and it's more of a like psychology of how people work with each other. And that isn't a particularly positive thing. You're going to find that out quicker. Um, and at CodePen, right. that's a good thing. We want to know when we're in a different place because we have to be in lockstep. Otherwise, just things don't happen well, you know. So, mm-hmm. but if you're scared of that, I would say like multiple, multiple repos, they worked out for a long time. So just stick with that. <laughs> Yeah, right. We're not talking about like night and day disaster. If we stuck on our two repos, it's not like we're not going to get work done. But in this case, uh, the advantages were so thick. Yeah, we're very happy with that. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're we are pretty. And what's really exciting is we're just starting to get the benefit of being able to like extract common libraries and know that all the repositories that we're building 
are going to be able to use those same things. Um, there's a lot of things like that that are almost critical that you make sure you only have one of. Like the JSON web token is an important one, but like if you have any other security services, it's really critical that you're using the same versions, the same um, yeah. How easy libraries would it be not and all to that. Be like, oh, I see. I'm working out of this little service. It needs the little JWT thing. Oh, I'll just, it's only like a hundred lines of code. I'll just copy and paste it into my project over here. Oh, it works great. All right, chip it. <laughs> yeah, I was just Forget using about this it for 10 months. four character token to encrypt everything I do. And stupid little things like that happen. Like they happened at CodePen where this tiny thing we'd forget. To, I think at some point we had, it was like to, I think I'm, I'm beating a dead horse, but we had some services that were on node five and node 14 was out in production you know it was already like the de facto node version of node because we'd totally forgotten about this other lambda that we needed to update and so little things like that it's like it's nice to be able to catch all that stuff up front and change it in one fell swoop yeah it's like not gonna happen again yeah yeah you know, that's the advantage of of doing it this way it's not that like it's not like we're doing this podcast and like oh we finally got around to updating all our node fives to <laughs> node 12 or whatever yeah we did it yeah. we're saying we did that but we also changed the fundamental system so that it's not going to happen again and that's what's notable yeah yeah that that's so true you know it's uh, something that can happen really quickly that's an afternoon for us at this point whereas before it would you know, take a few days. And so being able to move that quickly and respond to problems that quickly, that's just a beautiful thing for a startup like us. Yeah. All right. Well, tip of the iceberg here. We didn't, we didn't say the word Pulumi once. So I guess we're not going to talk about that another time. (laughs) Jinx. All right. (laughs) All right, man. See ya. Thanks. Eight.